He's Georgievich. Who am I? She's Lisa. I'm Pop. No, wait. I'm Shadow. He's Brian. She's Vinny. I don't know who we are. What the hell's going on? This isn't even all the right moves, but it is Mikey's report with Drew and Ted. Drew, how are you? So you guys are going to go out in your lives. You're going to achieve some great successes. And I hope and pray you do. But no matter what the future is going to bring, there's seldom going to be a moment like tonight when you hold it all in your hands. Together! And that's how we're going to win this game. We're going to win it together! We're going to win together! Come on The question is, how are you? You know what? I'm as fine as the 1975 golden flaxen hair of Stevie Nicks. I'm as fired up as our old 57 Dwayne Rudd used to be, tackling a dude 25 yards down the field on the two. That's how fired up I am. Or Mike Merriweather, number 57, blocking that punt against the Rams in overtime. Yeah. yeah. First big free agent signing of the free agency era, I think, for the Vikings, going way back in the day. Love me some Mike Merriweather and Dwayne Rudd. Dwayne Rudd, you know. You don't think he was a great player? He was okay. I mean, he wasn't great. Like, Dwayne Rudd had one of the biggest bonehead moves in history after he signed for, for the Browns. You remember that? Like, they missed a field goal. He was right. on the field. The team they were playing against missed a field goal. Rudd took his helmet off, threw it. 15-yard penalty, re-kick. Uh, kick goes through, Browns lose. Game cannot end on a defensive penalty. Rudd throwing his helmet is going to give the Chiefs an opportunity for a field goal here to win the game. He was a good player for the Vikings, though. I was okay. Did he play around the time Kylie Wong played from Stanford? Yeah, I know he was like late late 90s, 2000, early 2000s guy. I think he started on the 2000 team that went to the NFC Championship and got 41 donated by the Giants. Oh! What do we got? All the right moves tonight? What, back-to-back Tom Cruise? What do you got to think yeah. with Tom Cruise? What do you got going with Tom well, Cruise? Well, you know, all the right moves, it talks about college and recruiting, and, and we got a great interview coming up here in a little bit. And it's all the right moves, kind of a free agency theme. Are the Vikings making all the right moves? Are they making the wrong moves? We're going to talk about all of that. With our friend Craig T. Nelson. Was head With our coach, friend he? Coach. coach. He played a, and he played a coach in this movie. Now you do it my way or it's a highway, George Mick. Craig, how you doing tonight? I know he's a big fan. He watches. How you doing, Craig T. Nelson? But before we get going, Drew. What do we got first? Oh, well. Ruby, how are you doing tonight? <laughs> that was close. That was real close. I actually was hoping I was going to get away with not having to answer. <laughs> I'm doing good, though. Not only is this episode 57, but mm-hmm. Drew is also 57 years old. Happy birthday, Mr. President. Holy smokes. I am? Happy birthday, Drewster. Old as dirt. Come on. <laughs> Well, thank you, Tunsis. I am 57 this week. I turned 57 three days ago. It's been a hell of a 57-year run, let me tell you. In spite of your best efforts, you made it, buddy. I did make it. I did. It just seemed like yesterday I was 10 years old skateboarding in front of Brenda Harding's house trying to impress her. <laughs> did you? I had a crush on a girl down the street, so I'd stand out and I'd be like a mime or something. I was a pretty weird kid, Ted. Very weird. Did the mime trick work? No, her mom ran me off the property. <laughs> Smart lady. It's good to... Get a little birthday wishes. Thank you, Tunes. So I got one thing, one thing to say to that. What's that? Ted? What? I'm cooler than you are. So why don't you light this episode 54 candle? Episode 57. But he's right. Light this candle. <laughs> <laughs> we just talked about my age. Yes, resume the 
I'm cooler than you are. Why don't you fix your little problems and light this candle? He's right. Let's light this candle. He surely is. Light the candle. Yes. Resume the countdown. Yes! All right. We're all so dumb. We would not be working at ESPN, bro. We would not. <laughs> we are absolutely not ESPN material. We don't care about the mothership. We're our own show right here. We're a bunch of mothers is what we are. What do we got going with Viking news? All right, so we got a fair amount of Vikings and NFL news. We're going to start with the NFL stuff because there have been some significant moves that either indirectly affect the Vikings or affects players that the Vikings were sort of, kind of, sort of rumored to be in on. We'll start with Devontae Adams, former wide receiver of the Green Bay Packers. He was traded to the Las Vegas Raiders, and that still sounds weird to say. Yeah. For Green Bay's 2022 first and second round picks. That's picks 22 and 53 overall. So Devontae Adams is gone out of the NFC North. Yeah, yes. Yeah. What did he catch, like 90 touchdowns against us the last three years? He absolutely murdered the Vikings, it seemed, every time the Packers played Minnesota. Every single time. And he left angry. And you notice his letter today, he thanked a bunch of players but left Rodgers out. He can't stand that guy. I did not see that, did he really? I told y'all when all this happened. I told you, Ted. He wasn't going to play for that tag. And Rodgers just looked out for himself and didn't care anything about what happened to uh, to Adams. So, you know what? I'm happy he's out of our division, but I'm happy he hates the Packers now. I'm happy. We didn't quit. You quit. Two quick things with this. Like, the Adams trade sort of came out of nowhere. You know, they tagged him, and then kind of right up until the trade, it was like, well, they tagged him, but that means they're probably going to sign him to an extension that works something out. Rodgers signs his mega deal, and it turns out to really be $50 million a year. And then they trade Devontae Adams. And the Packers said, you know, well, we told Aaron what was going on, and he was completely in the loop. And I'm sorry. I don't 100% believe that. I think there is a little bit of anger. Excuse me. Okay, but that's the last draw. Oh, a lot of anger. Green Bay now has no wide receiver number one. Their top guy right now, I think, is Randall Cobb. And Rodgers, if you look back at that playoff loss against San Francisco, and it's quality viewing, you should go back and watch it as many times as you wish. He, like, started lasering in on Devontae Adams and and ignored guys like Marquise Valdez-Scanling and and Equimenius St. Brown. And and, and so it just seems like this is a thing that Aaron Rodgers would not have signed on to if he had any true say in the matter. You know, Ted, here's what happened with Adams. He He wanted a new deal last year. Yes. He's on the outside looking in on this whole thing, even though he's on the team. He sees... Aaron Rodgers get this ass kissed from every angle. Anything Aaron Rodgers wants, he gets. And then he gets left out with no new deal. And so Adam's just saying, screw you people. I don't want to play with Derek Carr, who I played with in college at Fresno State. This is where I want to be anyway. This is a total middle finger to Aaron Rodgers because Adams is not, I'm telling you right now, he's not happy. I hate that guy. They didn't handle it right. They could have got more out of him too compensation wise if they'd have like signed him to the franchise tag they would have get two hundred for him right I mean, yes if somebody had wanted to sign him off the franchise tag i believe that's correct yes aaron Rodgers took care of himself got what he wanted for himself adams knows that i'm not surprised at all by this because he knows aaron Rodgers is a dick you dick that's the bottom <laughs> line good for good for adams and getting out of there good for him so Devonte adams is now with the Las Vegas Raiders, and one of the better tweets I saw was 
that he chose to play with Derek Carr over Aaron Rodgers. So take that for what you will. He's out of the NFC North, Ted. Thank God. <laughs> yeah. The other big move, and this guy was sort of rumored and linked to the Vikings more than once over the past couple years. Deshaun Watson, quarterback Deshaun Watson, finally got traded. It's to the Cleveland Browns. The compensation that the Browns are giving to the Texans are three first-round picks, a 2023rd third-round pick, and a 2024 fourth-round pick. So, Deshaun, 22 allegations, Watson is now going to the mistake by the lake. How do you go from 22 civil lawsuits to signing a $230 million deal? The NFL never surprises me, but it almost always disappoints me in situations like this. Unbelievable, man. Your boy, Rich Eisen, Michigan graduate, NFL Network host. Did you ever listen to his show, by the way? He watches our show religiously. <laughs> I'm sure he does. I've seen his show. He had a snippet I saw, and he had a very good quote. He said, at some point, Cleveland's going to have to bring Deshaun Watson out to meet the press and in introduce him as their new quarterback. He said, and I hope somebody asks him this. Why did you need 22 different masseuses? Uh, yeah, I can't get too far into detail because there's an ongoing investigation still. But I can say that with this now day and age, um, especially with my age group, Social media is a big business part um, that, that goes into it. Well, couldn't you find one that that worked for you? As far as the details, I can't get too far into it because there's an investigation going on. I mean, because like I, I'm not a big massage guy, but but my wife likes to get, get a massage a couple times a month, and she goes back to the same person. Hopefully, you know, once everything is resolved, I can speak freely on it. The Browns are using the, well, he wasn't charged criminally as their cover to sign him. And, okay, fine, he's, he's not going to face prosecution for this, but there's kind of the legally right and the morally right. And I just, the whole Watson deal is dirty. And if you want to say he's innocent, all these women are conspiring to get money. You can say that. I, I'm sorry, but one or two women, I could maybe buy a he said, she said, but when there's 22, brother, to me, where there's smoke, there's fire, I would think. I tend to agree with you there, Ted. Plus, it, you know, from a football standpoint, they gave up a lot for that guy. And they still have Baker Mayfield on the roster, and they can't seem to give him away right now. And, oh, by the way, they gave him the biggest guaranteed contract in NFL history. Dwarfs almost triples Kirk Cousins' original guaranteed value. He's like 230 or $240 million fully guaranteed. I'm kind of glad it didn't happen all through Minnesota. I'm kind of glad we avoided that whole thing. And I am too. Oh, and, and one more real quick move. The Falcons traded Matt Ryan to the Indianapolis Colts for a third-round pick. On the heels of the Watson news, Atlanta was like the front runner to land Deshaun Watson until all of a sudden Cleveland, who had been reportedly out of the running, landed him. And now Matt Ryan was all mad and he wanted out. So they traded him and now they got Marcus Mariota is going to be their quarterback. What do you think of the Colts getting uh, Ryan? I want to get your take on that. I think it's a good move for them. They only gave up a third-round pick. I mean, somebody tweeted out today, I think it was the Colts SB Nation site, Stampede Blue said, Chris Ballard traded Carson Wentz, and he essentially got a third-round pick and Matt Ryan for it. I mean, Chris Ballard is now the GM of the year, and we haven't even hit the draft yet. He's still a pretty good quarterback. If the Colts had Matt Ryan at quarterback, they'd have made the playoffs as opposed to Carson Wentz. Absolutely right. Absolutely right. They're probably looking at it much like the Rivers thing. Maybe Ryan will get us over the hump. So that's kind of the NFL news. Let's let's talk 
Vikings news. You got your Twitter on, Ted? You checking your Twitter? I'm checking it. Yeah, I got it. Yeah, we're at Monday. We're waiting on some big breaking news. Before we get there, we're going to throw up this uh, screenshot here of the Vikings transaction. It's been a relatively quiet free agency, the Vikings. They started off by putting a tender on kicker Greg Joseph and re-signing punter Jordan Berry. Then when free agency hit, they signed uh, Harrison Phillips and tight end Johnny Munt. Interior lineman Austin Schlotman. They released Michael Pierce. And, and of course, we had the, the Kirk Cousins extension that sort of happened a few days before free agency began. Since last we were with you, the Minnesota Vikings guaranteed the, the 2022 salary of Daniil Hunter. So Hunter's going to be back. I like that move. You remember Zadarius Smith, a former Packers linebacker, when he hit free agency, it was reported that he signed with the Baltimore Ravens. Yeah, and then like a day later, it was like, oh, psych, not really. And so people thought, well, you know, the Vikings had spoken with Zadarius Smith. Maybe there's something there. Turns out he is now in Minnesota. He tweeted this just a very short while ago, right before we came on the air, Drew Bunting. What did he tweet, Ted? Quote, meet at the quarterback, unquote. Why is that relevant to old-time Vikings fans like us, Drew Bunting? Because that's what the Purple People Eaters used to say. That's right. Page and Marshall and Eller, let's meet at Greg Landry. <laughs> <laughs> Poor Greg Landry, right? I mean, is there one guy that got killed more than Greg Landry? There isn't. No. May maybe Kenny in South Park, but that's that's it. <laughs> oh, my God. They killed Kenny. You bastards. And Sedarius Smith, remember a couple years ago, he got like 17 sacks in one game against us? Just killed us. Yeah. As of this recording, he has not officially signed, but rumors are that as soon as he passes his physical, he will. Now, Smith has been injured. Daniil Hunter's been injured the last few years, but they're both going to be back. The last time both these guys were healthy was 2019, and they were number one and number two in the NFL in quarterback pressures. Number one and number two. Uno, dos, for those of you listening to our Spanish language version. <laughs> so if both these cats are healthy, what do you think of that move? You like apples? How do you like them apples, Drew Bunning? You get Zedaria Smith and Hunter, Edge, Edge, and then you get Sauce Gardner. All of a sudden, your defense is, like, tremendously better in one month. Uh, yeah. We talked about this last year, and, and as the season went on, and you asked this question more than once, how can the Vikings be so good at rushing the passer and still be so bad with pass defense? Because I would argue that they had a lot of sacks, but I don't think they had consistent pressure. And, they, and it's the pressure – that disrupts the timing, that forces the quarterback to move off his mark in the pocket. And so if, if those guys can be healthy and bring that type of consistent pressure, I think it's a tremendous upgrade for the Vikings. He already knows the 3-4, right? I mean, yeah. they ran over there? Yeah, they ran a lot of 3-4. And he's familiar with his days. Mike Pettin, Minnesota Vikings defensive assistant slash advisor, whatever his role is now, worked with Smith in Green Bay. That's right. There's a connection there. Maybe there's something to that. So he wants to kill Aaron Rodgers, too. I would think that would be a big incentive for him to sign with Minnesota, get to play Aaron Rodgers twice and say hello to his old friend a couple times a year. If that guy stays healthy and Hunter stays healthy, there's your combined sack total leaders for the NFL. I would agree. Yes. Oh, Donatel's got to love that. Yeah, I, I would think so. All right. Uh, let's go back to the Hunter signing now. He was due like a $28 million bonus. They can convert that to a different type of bonus and sort of 
stretch that out through the life of the contract. They can lower his cap number. Right now he has a pretty prohibitive cap number. They would have to do some things with Hunter and probably a couple other players to fit Smith and a couple other guys, but but it's eminently doable. But with Hunter back, there were a lot of people that not only wanted Kirk traded, but they wanted Daniil Hunter traded just as bad, if not worse. I heard a lot of that, a lot of that chatter going on this week, Ted. And it was reported that Daniil Hunter was coming back. People just were all of a sudden fired Quasi Adolfo Metza. He, re, <laughs> he re-signed Kirk. He re-signed Hunter. They're not doing what I think they should do. Fire everybody. Isn't that weird? When you don't do what you want to do, you fire them. Yeah. Get rid of them. There were people saying, well, you know, Quasi Adolfo Mensa isn't calling the shots. There's, you know, like there's this wizard behind the curtain <laughs> in Oz. Pay no attention to that man behind the curtain. The man Oz has spoken. That's really pulling all the levers. Adolfo Mensa has no power. And there was this great tweet by an account I follow. It's at Krauserific. His name's Krauser. He's been a longtime contributor on Daily Norseman. Has some just phenomenal tweets. If you're not a follower of his, you should. And, and he says, as soon as you get to the position that Kweisi's brilliant when he does what I do and overly influenced by the Wills when he doesn't, that's basically a conspiracy mindset. Everything comes down to unseen forces and nothing is what it seems. And I think that that's encapsulates perfect. this offseason perfectly so far. Can't say any better than that. That's, that's really perfect. And it started with Kirk and his extension. I was irritated, too. Both you and I think to get rid of the gloom, as you so adequately put it, that the Vikings needed to move on from Zimmer, Spielman, and Kirk Cousins. But they didn't. And we have no say in that. You know, but when you look at Kirk's deal, it's essentially just a one-year extension. It looks to me like the Vikings are going to absorb a lot of cap money this year. They're, they're just going to eat a lot more cap than they would have if they had traded Kirk and gotten rid of Daniil Hunter. And, and they're using Kirk as like a two-year bridge guy. I think they're going to draft their quarterback of the future next year. And next year, they're going to have a ton of cap space. So I think they're willing to run it back one time with this roster, maybe prove to Mark Wolf he was either right or wrong either way. And then kind of fully implement their plan from there. Do you do you agree with that or not? I do agree with that. And something else people got to slow down is that they look at the free agency. Oh, Jacksonville's going to win it all. Just because you have an active free agent list doesn't mean you're the best team in the league. Matter of fact, it means you're the one that hasn't prepared the best. Why do you mean that, Drew? The team that goes out and gets nine or ten free agents, all you're saying is that you can't draft for shit. Y'all be doing these one-on-ones with me and a lot of y'all, man, you have a poor judge of character. Your judgment when it comes to picking out people based on their character is off. Your drafting sucks. You can't draft and develop your own players. You're going to have to go out and rent these other guys that other teams picked up. So if you're heavy in free agency, all you're saying is that we suck at drafting. So don't give me the, the free agent teams that are signing everybody or the teams ahead of everybody. That's completely wrong. Don't look at it like that, people. Don't. Drafting, developing your own talent is how you win in this league long-term. And that's what the Vikings are going to do next month. When I looked at Kirk's deal, he's got a big cap hit in 2022, a big cap hit in 2023. And then he has like 12.6 million dead money in 24 and half that in 2025. And then he's completely off the books. You said something pretty profound. You made a post on our Gallahorn Facebook page about Justin Jefferson. What was it you were saying about Justin Jefferson and that the way they did Kirk's deal? Look at it from the angle of Justin Jefferson. This is the guy that's had, what, 3,016 yards, 17 touchdowns, and what, 200 catches in two years. His stats are over the top. You ask him, who do you want to be quarterback next year? Does he want Kellen Mond? He doesn't. 
Does he want some guy off the scrap heap, scrap heap, McScrapperson, McBunghole? No, he doesn't. Scrap heap, McScrapperson. He doesn't want scrap hole, McScrapperson. He doesn't want a rook dog coming in that's going to complete eight passes a game. He wants Kirk Cousins. Look at Justin Jefferson's stats. Can we put him up there? For two years, two years, that's an amazing amount of statistics. Now, if you're sitting him down, look at it from the players. It's about the players, what they think. Not not so much what you think, people. It's about what the players think. When you sit Thielen and Jefferson down and you look at all the options of what the Vikings have, scrap heap, draft, or Kellen Mond. I'm not ripping Kellen Mond, but Cousins is the best player out of everybody for those guys. 100% agree with you. And I, I think it also helps Justin Jefferson in pursuit of his next contract. Devontae Adams got paid. The Jacksonville Jaguars paid a ton of money to crappy wide receivers that, that really are going to reset the bar. I think by signing Kirk, they're helping Justin Jefferson get a big second contract because let's say he plays with Kellen Mond or a guy like Baker Mayfield or a, a, one of those multiple quarterbacks were mentioned impossible trades in the offseason he's not going to put up as good a numbers as he probably would have under Kirk and when Kirk's contract is done they will have enough money under the cap to be able to pay Justin Jefferson a very competitive deal and the reason they'll be able to do that is because they will have their quarterback of the future on a rookie contract. I fully understand that fans want things to go a certain way. And when it doesn't, we can be disappointed, we can be mad, we can be pissed off, whatever we can be. The Minnesota Vikings are trying to clean up a horrible financial mess that the last people left behind. You are the accountant of record for many of these reports, is that correct? Guilty as charged. Well, then perhaps you can shed some light on this history of missing revenue. Missing? No, it's there. Revenue most definitely flowed through this company, but it's not all accounted for in your reports. Huh. Mm, let's take a look. All the while, trying to be competitive to win a Super Bowl this year. That's the combination they're trying to work with. That's what they're trying to do. Take your foot off the gas and stop freaking out in March. Just out. We have a good foundation for a football team. And if we have a couple years of good drafting and get the finances turned around, this is going to be a great team. Let's play it out a little bit before we throw the towel in on the Minnesota Vikings. That's the NFL news. That's the Vikings news. If you've seen the last episode, you saw our interview with Corey Hollick, interior lineman from Nebraska Kearney, Division II school, looking to enter the NFL draft this year. This week, we have another interview. His name is Brad Cecil. He's the starting center for the University of South Florida going into his Super senior year, Brad could have left at the end of last year, but because of COVID in 2020, uh, he was given an extra year of eligibility. So we're going to we're gonna let Brad say hi to you guys. We're going to talk to him about his upcoming season and, and kind of why he, he came back and what he looks for in the future. And then we will be back with Drew's big board. Senior captain Brad Cecil could have taken a shot at the NFL, but his reasons for one more ride at USF are pretty clear. I love this team. I love everybody on it. I love the coaches. I love training staff, equipment staff, uh, video staff, our media team. I love everybody in this building, and I truly mean that. Cecil's been through a lot in a Bulls uniform. Now he just wants to finish things the right way. So I've been on a mission since then to, you know, get back, win a bowl game, and bring a conference championship to USF. 
In Tampa, I'm Kevin Lewis, ABC Action News. Hey, everybody. It is once again time for another one of our player profile slash interviews. This week, we are fortunate to have starting center for the University of South Florida Bulls, Mr. Brad Cecil. Brad, how are you? Doing great, man. How are you all? Good. How's, uh, how's spring ball going? How's, how's everything getting ready for the 2022 season? It's going great. You know, we're working hard. You know, guys are, you know, really bought in. We got a lot of good transfers, but we also got a lot of good guys coming back. We're on day seven tomorrow. That's awesome, man. That's awesome. Now, I want to ask you about your time at USF for a little. You got recruited by Charlie Strong, saw the, the kind of the, the bad ending there. Jeff Scott came in, went one and eight, and then two and ten. You had an extra year of eligibility because COVID just ruined everybody's lives for an entire year. Uh-huh. <laughs> You could have left, and I, I honestly, I think it says something about who you are and your character that you decided, look, I want to come back and try and, and leave this place better. What was your reasoning for coming back, besides if, if I'm off on that? No, you, you're exactly right. You said it right. You know, just, you know, making the team better. You know, when I committed back in June of 2017, I think it was, you know, everyone has their individual goals. You know, everyone wants to go to the league. Everyone wants to, you know, do their own thing. But you know, I wanted to bring a conference championship to USF, and that's something that hasn't been done here. You know, we're a relatively young program. You know, we started, I think, in 95. So, you know, a, a really young program, definitely on the rise. You know, the past couple of seasons have been rough, but, you know, I think it definitely speaks to the sense of culture that's being built right now just with the amount of guys that came back. You know, it wasn't just me that decided to use their extra year. You know, we had, I think, 12 super seniors, and all of them decided to come back, and it's just – you know, Coach Scott is really building a sense of, you know, culture, a family. You know, he's always looking out for our best interests. And I think that that's something that we all wanted to be a part of for another year and also, you know, win some more games. The amount of turnover you guys have had at USF kind of sounds like the Minnesota Vikings under Mike Zimmer the last few years. You've had four offensive coordinators in your time there. You've had wow. three offensive line coaches. You're on your second head coach. Does that turnover in any way help your development because you see different approaches to offense and, and blocking and pass protection and everything, or does it, does it hurt because you don't have enough time to focus on the one way a certain O-line coach wants you to do things or the coach or OC wants you to do things? I think you hit the nail on the head right there. I mean, there's definitely cons to it because, you know, you can't get used to an offense. You have to learn new terminology, new signs. You know, you have to, you know, when new coaches come in, they move players around, they, you know, plug new guys in. And so, you know, you lose that sense of consistency over the years where you don't get, you know, the same offense, the same, you know, because when you have a new offense, your spring is always when you learn it. So every spring, when you have a new coach, you got to learn everything over again. So when you have the same coaches, it really helps learning the plays and forming that gel, that bond on the field that you need to be successful. Two head coaches, four OCs, three O-line coaches. I've had three strength staffs. Like it's everything. It's a revolving door. That's just the nature of college football. You know, one thing that, that that was said to me when I was getting recruited was that the only thing constant in college football is change. And I kind of took that with me. I kind of – I tried to embrace it when I came here because I knew that, you know, coaches, you know, they obviously love where they're at, wherever they're at. But, you know, they're, they're not always – they're not guaranteed there for your whole time there. So you have to be able to adapt to, you know, new coaches coming in, new players, all that kind of stuff. So, I mean, it's definitely been a ride, but I definitely wouldn't have wanted it uh, any other way because, like you said, I think it's definitely taught me – you know, a lot of different things, like a lot of different coaching styles, a lot of different offenses, different plays. Do you got continuity coming in from the end of last year to, to this spring, or are you, are you dealing with, with new staff again? 
So we got a new OC in January. But the good thing about him is, is that he's learning all of our terminology. Because him and uh, Coach Scott had – they grew up kind of in the coaching world together and so that they learn similar offenses. So he's going to run our offense and our terminology, but just, you know, he's going to call plays when he wants to. So now you, you mentioned goal for, for USF for 2022 as a conference championship. What other team goals do you guys have, and what are some of your personal goals that you have going into 2022? Well, our team goals, we always want to win the state. So when, when we play UCF, when we play Florida, when we play any team in state, we want to win the state. You know, we want to win the, the, the season opener. We want to win our conference, and we want to make a bowl game and win that bowl game. Year in, year out, those are the goals. And I think personally for me, it to be first team all conference and to make the league, that's where my focus is right now. When you could have left last year, did you get a NFL draft evaluation or did you just not even bother and say, you know what, I'm coming back? You know, I had some some people tell me, you know, I could leave and that, you know, I could possibly sneak into the later rounds, but it'd probably be a free agent type deal. Like before the season even started, before I knew the result, before I knew how I was going to play, I knew that I was going to come back. I have untapped potential in college and that, again, I want to win the conference championship. And I knew that, you know, if it wasn't going to get done, I was 100% coming back. You think coming back for your, your super senior year definitely has helped you then or will help you? 100%. I think it'll help me, you know, I think it'll help the team, first off, because, you know, I've been here for, it feels like forever, but it's only been five years. <laughs> you know, I've been here for a long time, so it'll be good, you know, kind of be a similar face because I've been – you know, captain for this will be my third year. So it'll be, you know, a similar face, you know, a guy leading the room. And it'll also be good for me personally to, you know, up my game, get even better film and, uh, you know, up my IQ even more. Are you keeping the draft kind of over the horizon? I know it's over the horizon year, but are you are you doing anything? You keeping it in the back of your mind and are you doing anything to get ready for it next year? Does your coaching staff kind of look at guys that are going to be seniors or, or leaving and do extra drills or anything, or is it all 100% team-focused right now? It's all 100% team-focused, but I, I definitely would say that it's in the back of my head. And, you know, everything I do, post-practice, pre-practice, uh, even when I'm at home, you know, what time I go to sleep, what I eat, every meal, you know, it's all for, you know, my personal goals and for also the team goals. But, like, everything I do is, um, you know, for that goal. So what is Brad Cecil's best scheme fit? Wide zone? Man up, just block and kill somebody. What 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 do you like to do best? I'm more of a wise zone guy. I'm more of a stretch, you know, run lateral rather than, you know, just maul you off the ball, which I can do 100%. Come on over. Come on over. We need help. Yeah. You know, every aspect of my game, you know, I like to work on. But I think that for me personally, you know, I, I think I'm pretty athletic. You know, I'm pretty, pretty agile, I like to think. So, I, you know, I think I can – I move well around defenders. I get my body so in good sorry. position, um, you know, in 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 the outside zone, and I think that that's typically my strong suit is just using my athleticism. Do you think you could play center or guard anywhere on the on the line, tackle even, or are you kind of more of an interior guy? I definitely am an interior guy. You know, I could play center guard, uh, you know, right or left. So you know, it's kind of I think it all goes kind of hand in hand, and I think that the transition from center to guard is a little bit easier than guard to center. Because, you know, when you move from center to guard, you take the ball out of your hand, you know, you're off the ball a little bit, gives you a little bit more space. But I think that I could definitely get it done. You know, I played guard in high school, and that's what I was recruited as. I got one more question, and then I'll, I'll turn it over to Drew. He's got a couple of questions for you. Who was your favorite team growing up, and what team would you like to be drafted by if it's not the same team, and why is it the Minnesota Vikings? <laughs> so growing up, you know, I had 
pleasure of watching the Jacksonville Jaguars. <laughs> okay, okay, hold on. Now, there, there are really Jacksonville Jaguars fans. The pleasure, Ted. The pleasure of watching them. You hear that? <laughs> I know you're a native Jacksonville guy. I meant to ask you that. So there really are Jaguars fans in Jacksonville. Oh, yeah, all hundred of us. Okay, <laughs> all right. Fair enough. <laughs> Was Blaine Gabbert really going to be the guy when you drafted him? He wasn't my guy, I'll tell you that. <laughs> <laughs> I was born born a Jags fan, been a Jags fan my whole life. As I've been in Tampa for the past, you know, four years, I've been I've been a Buck fan, been a Brady fan. You know, I like to follow them along, and, you know, we just won the Super Bowl. So it's fun watching them. Um, if I had to pick a team to play for, I, I really couldn't narrow it down because, you know, I, you know, growing up a Jags fan, being a Jags and a Bucks fan right now, you know, it would be nice to get drafted to them, but, you know, it'd truly be an honor to go to go really anywhere. And it's, you know, it's been the dream. Uh, it's never been the dream to, you know, play for one team or play for, you know, play in one state. It's always been, you know, whoever whoever's willing to take the shot on me, you know, I'll, I'll give a mile. So remember that when you're in Buffalo, it's December and it's minus 40 with the wind chill. And you're not going to wear a you're not going to wear a long sleeve shirt because none of the other offensive linemen are. And you want to be a cool guy just like them. Yeah. Freaking freezing out here. <laughs> Drew, you had a couple questions. You want to give a shout out to anybody at Bartram Trail High School? Oh my gosh, I could go on for a day. How much time y'all got? No, we got time. <laughs> Come on, this is you know what, Brad? This is your show. This is your time. You want to give a shout out to them and your family members? Do it right now. Shout out Bartram Trail, man. You know, Coach Dean, Coach Sutherland, Coach Parker, Coach Tato. Those are all my guys. Coach McKee. You know, all of them. You know, have really been, really been a blessing for me. You know really throughout high school, and they really made me who, who I am as a player, but also as a person. You know, I think I take take that with me in every aspect of life. And then got to shout out the parents, my mom, dad, stepmom, stepdad, two brothers, two sisters, everybody. Wow. That's a houseful growing up. Oh, yeah. I got a couple things to go over. Back in October, October of last year, and it's kind of hard for me to remember. I don't remember what I had for dinner yesterday. You guys <laughs> set a record. You guys set a record in college. In October against Temple University. I'm going to let you tell Ted what that record was. Because Ted kind of wondering right now. I am. He told me before you came on. So I want to hear, I want to hear what this Let's record is. So we rushed for 421 yards versus Temple. Really? That's pretty doggone impressive. What the yes. hell was Temple doing? 421? Did, <laughs> Brad, Brad, did they just give up on you? I, I can't speak on what Temple was doing. All I can tell you is that all we did was run the ball. <laughs> Were you killing them right off the snap, just knocking the snot out of people? I mean, you know, that's what we try to do every play, but that, that game was a little bit easier, I'll say that. You guys must have went out and had some good beers that night. 421. <laughs> 421 yards on the ground. When you started there as a freshman, there was a couple other freshmen there with you, right? So you kind of yep. grown together. 100%, yeah. Starting as a freshman is not an easy thing. So impressed by everything I've been reading about you. But my question to you is, I know the viewers kind of wonder about the interview process and the recruiting process from high school to college. Mm -hmm. You were recruited by a ton of schools, dude. I mean, every Yale, Navy, bunch of schools. What exactly goes on during the recruiting process? I mean, do some schools just send you a letter and then other schools show up at your house with like a 13-part entree meal with somebody jumping out of a cake? Brad, come play for us. Anything in particular that stood out to you during your recruiting process? Tell the viewers a little bit about what it is to be so heavily recruited as an athlete. Well, it's definitely, like I will say with social media, it's definitely taking a turn. I think... You know, back in the day when you see, like, when you watch movies like The Blind Side, when Saban's pulling up at Michael Orr's house, you know, knocking on the door, 
you know, I never had, you know, you know, Coach Strong wasn't banging down my door like, hey, Brad, you know, come to come to USF. But I will say that, like, you know, during prime recruiting, which is your junior year, I was getting probably 10 letters of mail a day. Probably, uh, I couldn't even tell you, probably five, five calls a day with schools, like countless Twitter DMs, countless text wow. messages. Just, and, and a lot of times it's coaches trying to build a relationship. So, like, they call you, you know, they want to call once a week and just, you know, talk about you or talk with you, you know, talk about what's going on in school. They want to build that relationship so that, you know, to try to, you know, get you to come to the school. So, like, there were some times where, you know, I'd get an offer, like a scholarship offer, like in the mail, you know, they'd send me a handwritten letter and that coaches come to the house, say, hey, Brad, you know, here's here's our school and we're going to offer you a scholarship. I've had, I've even had it to where uh, a coach follows me on Twitter and five minutes later, he sends me a DM and says, hey, Brad, you have an offer here. Let me know if you're interested. Now, now on your end, do you kind of look at the, the football end of it? Like, you, all right, this school sent me, they want to recruit me, and I, I want to look at their football, ask you who the quarterback is, who the coach is, who the scheme is, what the this and this. I know if they recruited me, I'd be looking at beer joints and pizza places. What's the closest one to me? <laughs> There's a lot that goes into, you know, you know, picking a school because you got to look at, you know, the depth chart, obviously, you know, when – when are you going to play? If you're coming in behind, you know, if they recruited five centers last year, you know, you got to, you got to go in and beat five guys just in the grade above you. So you look at, you know, the depth chart, you look at obviously, you know, the coaches that are there, um, you look at the facilities, you look at, you know, what city it's in um, just all kind of stuff. And even in like, if you're really passionate about, you know, engineering, how good is their engineering program? How good is their, you know, how good is their law school? You know, stuff like that. So a lot does go into it, but, Definitely, I would say the most important thing to go into it is, you know, how quick can you play and, you know, how good are their facilities? How do they treat their football players? Now with NIL, it's all just stacks and stacks of cash delivered to your house and trucks. That's Ohio <laughs> State, Ted. Now you blocked for some great backs there that came through the South Florida Bulls. Kelly Joyner Jr. was the name I see. Brian Batty, guy named Concrite. You still talk to any of those guys? Yeah, so Kelly and Ryan still play uh, here at USF, and I definitely still talk to Frank Wright. You know, he's a really good guy. Block for other guys like, you know, Johnny Ford and, you know, Jaron Mangum uh, this year, who was, I think, fifth in the country in rushing touchdowns. We've had a lot of running back talent come through, and that's that's one thing that's made my job easy, you know, because sometimes, you know, a running back might might break free for 50 yards, but, you know, the whole line got beat. He just makes us look good. So <laughs> a lot of running backs come through. And so we've been very blessed. The whole O-line got beat except Brad, who, who handled his assignment and pancaked this dude. Come That's on, man. Right. Scouts and NFL folks are going to see this. Let's come on. Let's, let's talk yourself up. Brad, look, we've gone on. We've taken enough of your time. Thanks so much for joining us. Best of luck to you and, and uh, the USF Bulls in 2022. I uh, hope you guys do get to raise that conference championship trophy. When your games come on the TV and we'll be looking for you next year for the draft, I hope you'll come back and join us and talk about your draft process once your season's over. For sure. I'll be looking forward to it, man. Thank y'all for having me. So this week, we are looking at the interior offensive line. We are going to combine the center and guard positions. Yes. Uh, and we'll just talk about the interior offensive line. We'll start with centers, and then we'll, we'll go down the list of guys on the roster, free agents, and then Drew's big board, and then we'll come back to guards. And do the same thing. So this okay. week, we're going to start off with centers. And Drew, how many centers, without looking, what? how many centers are currently on the roster of the Minnesota Vikings? Uh, two. One. Wait, Schlottenmeyer, he's a center. 
Oh, that's right. Yeah, he is. What's his name? Schlotty? Schlotman? Schlotman. Holy schlot. I for completely forgot about him. Is he going to be a schlot receiver, Ted? He's not going to be a schlot receiver. So, yeah, but really only one full full starter. He's a guard yeah. and a center. So, Bradbury, yeah. Bradbury's it. You think yeah. Bradbury's coming back? I do. Yeah. I'd like for them to be able to sign a guy like J.C. Treader, which we'll talk about in a minute. But I, as of right now, I, I have not heard anything either way about Bradbury. So, until there is, I'm just going to go on the assumption he's going to return. What about okay. you? I think time has been spent enough on that guy. I don't think he's the center of the future, and I think it's time to move on from him. And last year was kind of my time to go, this is do or die for Bradbury, but I'd move on from him. Center is the one position, Ted, I would replace with a free agent. Okay. When you're looking at free agents, there's actually a few decent options out there. And, and the, the big name that's still available in, in free agency is J.C. Treader. And I, I think he's just about everybody's top free agent center that we would like to see signed with Minnesota. Do you agree or do you have a different guy? Absolutely agree. Treader, Paradis, those are the top two free agents. Treader is an absolute fantastic center. There's not really a lot of flaws in his game. Tremendous run blocker, pass blocker, leader on your offensive line, can call out all the blocking schemes. He's a full-time. He would be the guy to get. I just don't know if they can really afford to get him, but he's the premier guy free agency-wise, I think. A couple other names I had, Nick Martin and Josh Andrews, but I think far and away, J.C. Treader and Matt Paradis are the two top guys that the Vikings could get. Those are the same other two names I had, Nick Martin and uh, Josh Andrews. Nick Martin is six years with the Raiders. He played for Notre Dame. I did a draft write-up on him. Very good player. And then Josh Andrews played for, what, the Falcons? He's Mm -hmm. only 30 years old. And let's not forget, you see on the list, your buddy, the Sasquatch, Brett Jones is on there. Cue the (laughs) X-Files! And throw up the picture! (laughs) Yeah! Brett Jones, our buddy, who we still don't know if he was here. We don't know if he was actually on this team or not. I'm not actually convinced there was ever a Brett Jones in Minnesota, because there's never really a Brett Jones sighting, much like there's never really a good, solid Sasquatch sighting. There's never really a good Brett Jones sighting. So I I saw him on the free agent list, and to the right where it said team, it said X-Files. So I still don't... (laughs) I still don't know where it stands with that guy, but, you know, it, it, Treader, Matt, that would be fantastic. That would just upgrade your offensive line all the way one grade. It would go C to B, one signing. Yeah, and so if the Vikings decide to move on from Garrett Bradbury and they, for whatever reason, don't decide to sign a free agent like J.C. Treader, Matt Paradis, Drew, let's pull up your center big board. Let's look at the center. I want some real horns this week. Can we hear it? There we go. Centers, Ted. Very, very, very trippy position when it comes to the draft. I always list 15. There's never 15 taken. It's usually between 7 and 10 taken. Two years ago, there was 9 taken. Last year, there was 9 taken in the entire draft. This isn't one of my boards that comes out percentage-wise goodly for me. Well, let's start off at the top of your list then, because there's. it looks like you have 1, 2, 3, 4, 5 guys that you you think are a first or second day pick. Do you know, I want to ask you this. You know, last year, guess when the first center was taken off the board in the draft? Wasn't it the dude, the, the guy the Jets took? Eagles. Okay. The center from Alabama, Dickerson. Oh, okay. 37, Ted. Wow. 37. A center wasn't taken in the NFL draft in 2021 till pick 37. D- did you have a center on your big board projected in the first round last year? No, I did not. Okay. I had one picked at number 37. <laughs> No, I, I think I did have Dickerson going late in the first round. 
Okay. Uh, Landon Dickerson for the uh, Eagles. Three went in the second round, two went in the third round, and then the rest were fourth round and on. But there was only nine taken in the draft. I'm expecting only about seven or eight taken this year. So if we look at it, it's really Tyler Linderbaum, Ted, and then the rest of the draft. There's so much of a separation between his talent level and everybody else. But there are some good players in here. There's also some players that play center and guard. A lot of hybrid guys. That's how everybody's coming out now, though. They're come, they're lighter. They're more of the run scheme and pass blocking. Yeah, that seems to be going back to our interview with Corey Hollick and, and even Brad tonight, that position flexibility is is something that the teams really look for, especially on an interior lineman for, for whatever. Tackles, I, other than the Vikings, I think tackles can either play left tackle or right tackle. The Vikings, they move into guard and whatever. But it's a lot easier to move a tackle to a guard. You're not going to do the opposite and move a guard to the tackle. True. Different body build, different yeah. arm thing, footwork's go way different. You're not going to do that. It's usually the one to the other. But Linderbaum is exceptional. He's way ahead of everybody else. There's a certain debate going on of whether that guy is too small. If you look at his 6'3", he's 290 pounds. He reminds me a lot of Mike Webster, our old friend who played for the Steelers. He's a pretty good player. That's a hell of a comp, buddy. Mike Webster, the Hall of Famer, probably one of the best centers ever to play. He was two inches shorter and 35 pounds lighter. Than Linderbaum is right now. Yes. So everybody needs to settle down on the size. Linderbaum's 290. He's too light. He gets powered over. He doesn't. He doesn't. Webster was 35 pounds lighter and dominated people just like Linderbaum does. All you got to do is watch the tape on this guy, how great he is in space, how technical fundamentals. He does everything perfect. He doesn't waste any steps. He never gets bull rushed. His power is amazing. His strength is amazing. People say, well, he's just like Bradbury. He's not the same player as Bradbury. He's twice as strong, and he's got twice the football IQ as Bradbury. Somebody will probably take him in the first round. He reminds me a lot on tape of the Ryan Kelly, the uh, center that the Colts took a few years ago from Alabama. Okay. Uh, I think they took him in the first round, too. Ryan Kelly, great tape, great player, great center. 92% on the pass blocking and 100% on the run blocking, Ted. I don't have anybody else that I did any research on any of these top 15 that were 90-plus or both on on both. There wasn't. Throw screens, get him out in space. He's great in space. He's quick. He's athletic. He's a day one starter. You never know. The Vikings could take him. You never know what they're going to do in the draft. Do you think with Linderbaum being like the only bona fide first round center that a team may take him early just to yes. get him? Yes. The fact that he's so much more advanced than any other center in this draft, I think that does up him up the draft board. I expect him to be gone in the teens, Ted. Okay. Because he's the only guy on my list of top 15 you can come in and have start right away. I mean, not to take anything away from Donovan West or Luke Fort. Luke Fortner's a fantastic player, plays center and guard. Six foot six, 302. That guy is a great athlete. He's going to be drafted pretty high. Uh, Alec Lindstrom, whose brother, Chris, I think his name, Chris, remember Chris Lindstrom was on the Viking draft board a couple years ago. Yeah, I do remember that name. He too went to Boston College. He's not the player his brother Chris was, but he's a very, very good center. Another light guy at 294, but I'm not saying it like these other guys are scrubs, but I'm just saying I don't think they're ready to play day one. Bullabaugh. Jurgens makes his own beef jerky. I'd probably hire him just for that. <laughs> well, he's from Nebraska. Of course he makes his own beef jerky. Cam Jurgens has his own beef jerky line. It's called Jurgens Jerky. I saw it at the Combine. They had a story no on him. They had a story on him at the Combine. <laughs> a guy I like is Nick Ford. Now, is this a guy later on in the in the later rounds for the Vikings, potentially? Yes. 
Yes. The guy I really like for the Vikings to get on the Viking watch, Ben Brown from Ole Miss. I think I have him at number 15 on my list. 6'5", 315. Now, if you watch this dude, this guy in 2020 played all 816 snaps in every game at center for Ole Miss. Didn't miss wow. one snap. Didn't allow one sack in 432 snaps, Ben Brown. Really? In the that's, SEC? In the SEC. That's that's an impressive statistic right there. And I think it's a guy you got to keep your eye on if you're not going to take a center really early. Hopefully, if he dips and drops to fifth or sixth round, that might be a guy you want to take a flyer on. At least I would. He was on the Remington Trophy watch list. He came back in 2021, his senior year. Six games in, he tore his bicep. That's kind of why he fell under the radar for the NFL draft. This guy's got great strength, great feet, great power. One of those guys is just going to, you knock him down, he's going to keep getting back up. I really like Ben Brown on my Viking list. I think they should seriously take a look at him out of Ole Miss. And the other guy is James Empey. Very quick, athletic guy. Needs a lot of work. Not going to start right away, but he's a project you could work with. He's a four-year starter at BYU. Zone-based run scheme. 41 starts. Really? Stand in his pants. Get in there. <laughs> Low center of gravity. That's right. That's right. Can play football and phone booth. <laughs> <laughs> I to go Mel Kuyper once in a while. Uh, Epi, smaller stature. He would be a, definitely a, a developmental guy, though. He's not going to play right away. So those are your centers. Let's roll back and go through the guard position. We'll go back to the Vikings roster. Currently on the Vikings roster, they've got Ezra Cleveland, Wyatt Davis, Kyle Hinton, and Oli Udo. Who's coming back, Ted? Well, I, you know, I, they're all under contract. I mean, Kyle Hinton is, is a futures guy. Our buddy Corey Hollick mentioned Kyle Hinton, a, a small school guy drafted a few years ago. I think Ezra Cleveland's a pretty much a lock at left guard. The thing about right guard that bothers me is Ole Udo and Wyatt Davis. And, and we've talked about ad nauseum. We gave Wyatt Davis our second annual Sasquatch award at the end of the season because he's he disappeared much like Brett Jones. Wondering if the lack of the Vikings signing a guard so far in free agency, who we'll talk, we'll talk about free agent guards in a minute, is because they think Wyatt Davis is a guy that that can be the answer. Do you agree that Cleveland's pretty much a lock at left guard? I don't know if he's a lock, but he's, okay. he's a decent player. He certainly didn't suck, but Udo, I don't want penalties. I don't want to see him out there. He's done. Ole Udo, I, I think the Ole Udo era should end in Minnesota, to be quite honest. Free agent-wise, they already got Schlotman from Denver. Are they going to sign another free agent? He is a backup, and he is a downgrade from Mason Cole, who was kind of that interior swing lineman last year. Sure. And when you look at his comps, like his PFF grades, he's very similar to Dakota Dozier. So we got rid of Dakota Dozier and signed a new Dakota Dozier. So, no, I'm not a Schlotman fan right now. That is bad news. I did not know that. Why wouldn't Wyatt Davis be ready? When Kevin O'Connell got hired, he said last year won't happen again. So hopefully he will be ready to go and, and win the starting right guard job, and that will solve that position. But let's say he doesn't, and he's, you know, a tub of goo again, and Ole Udo stinks, and Whatever. <laughs> There's a couple of decent guards in free agency. I, the, I think the Vikings should go after. We'll throw the list up there. A few names I picked out. I'll give you two, and then you can give me two. I picked out Ryan Bates and Eric Flowers as potential targets for, for guard. What about you? The top guys are gone. Scherf, Connor Williams, Kappa. Yep. Yep. Kappa's gone. I think Kappa signed with somebody. And that's what everybody wanted to start firing. Quasi Odofomensa. Fire him. Get rid of him. Fire him. Didn't sign Scherf. Absolute oh. failure. Burn it all down. <laughs> Burn it all down. Start over. I'm done with this team. 
<laughs> I had Ryan Bates, my number one guy, still available. There's 50 guys available on this list. I didn't look at every single one and look at footage on them all. I like Ryan Bates, Billy Turner, because it's always fun to hire somebody from your uh, rival, Billy yep. Turner, from that team from Wisconsin. Yep, had that name on my list. And this is kind of interesting. Your boy, Billy Price, from OSU. He's been a kind of a bust. These guys are so good at Ohio State, and they struggle so bad in the NFL, I don't get it. I, I mean, Ohio State used to be really good at producing offensive linemen, and they're great at, They're great in school. I mean, Pat Elfline, Wyatt Davis last year. It's baffling. Do you see his name was on there, Ted? Will Hernandez. Will Hernandez, yeah. Yeah. Imagine that. The guy that we went circles around when the Vikings didn't take him and then said he didn't. He didn't fit our system. That was the year they took, I think, Hughes or something. Oh, yes. That's right. That was my cue. Yeah. They passed a Will Hernandez, and we were all going, what? Okay. Still need a guard. Trey Turner's a guy out there. He's the last name I had on my list that, okay. that I thought would be a potential. You got any anybody else? Mike Schofield from the Chargers. Oh, yeah. That, that'd be Yeah, that'd be good. Yeah. Okay. Always like him. So there's still some guys available if they wanted to go the free agent route to fill that gap at guard, but. You're right, though. If White Davis isn't ready to cut it, they're going to have to get a guy from somewhere. Yeah. And you're not going to get a guard out of the draft that's going to start day one, I don't think, unless you get Kenyon Green, which I would all be about. I'd be about that guy. Let's pull up your big board, and you're saying Kenyon Green. Is he a guy you would take at 12? You know, I saw a mock draft by our friend Tyler Fornes, and he had Olave going with our first pick, and he had Kenyon Green fall into our second pick, and I said, I don't even need to read any further. That's a good draft right there. Yeah. So I don't think Kenyon Green's going to fall to 46, Ted. I really don't. But if he did, you would be sprinting up there with the card. Let me throw this wrench in your machine, Drew Bunting. Your guy, David Ajobo, University of Michigan defensive end. Yeah, suffered torn Achilles in his pro day, which is absolutely terrible to see. I, we're rivals. They're a rival school. You never want to see that happen to a guy that looks to be a first-round pick. I felt I feel terrible for him. I truly do. Me too. Me too. I hope he fully recovers, and I hope he has a great, great NFL career. I, I truly mean that. But if he's still there in the second round, I mean, he was like a top 10 or 15 guy before his injury. Well, that's, I see. I'm picking up what you're putting down. Are you, you got a Jobo and you got Kenyon Green, and those are both positions to need. Six months is kind of the recovery time. I mean, you could theoretically. That's a tough call. Ted. Draft a Jobo in April, May, June, July, August, September, October. He'll be ready to go. He won't be on. He won't miss his entire rookie season. If it came down to that, I'd rather. I'd probably go the edge. I'd probably go Jobo, even with his Achilles injury. Yeah, because the edge, as you know. Well, I don't know. Am I getting Zadaria Smith? You giving me that guy? Let's say hypothetically, yes. The Vikings sign linebacker Zadaria Smith. The Neil Hunter's coming back, and now you're sitting at 46. Kenyon Green's on the board, and so is David Ajabo's. What do you do, Drew Bunting? I'm probably going Ajabo. Just because, I mean, I know the Michigan thing kind of shines through, but the thing about Ajabo is he's so good for the amount of time he's played. That's what intrigues people. My God, what happens when he figures it out? He's already good. There's some people who think he's going to be better than Aiden Hutchinson. Wow. Okay. Because he hasn't had that much experience at defensive end, and in that short time, he shredded. So being that DE always outranks guard, unless you're Quentin Nelson, I would go a Jabo if you give me that. Okay. I mean, last year, there was, what, 12 guards taken, only one in the first round. Vera Tucker, only one in the second round. So the first two rounds, there's only two pure guards taken, Ted. There's a line of thinking in the NFL today that guards don't matter. That's fair. If you have guards that can play at replacement level in the NFL, currently, I don't think the Vikings, I, you, I, well, I would say Ezra Cleveland, he's, he's a replacement level guy. 
There was 12 taken last year. I'm expecting about that amount now, but very few of these guys that are going to come in and start right away. Kenyon Green is going to be a starter day one. Got him in rounds one to two, but I think he's going to be a first round guy. Kenyon Green, we're going to put up some footage of him because he's just fantastic and he's very fun to watch. You've heard the term low man wins in the line of scrimmage. Yes. That is the definition of Kenyon Green. I don't think I've seen, maybe Steve Hutchinson was a guy that lined up lower and got leverage on people. That's why he's so good. Wow. Okay. He plays with a lot of confidence. He blows people up. Great explosion. Violent player who run you into the ground. He'll enjoy doing it and he'll step on your face. He'll be great to see pulling in front of Dalvin Cook. He's great on screens. Very smart player. Already knows his position. Knows what he needs to do. Very easy to coach. Kenyon Green, like Linderbaum, is probably a step ahead of everybody else. But there are some good good guards in here. Zion Johnson from Boston College, who I have at my number two spot. A small school transfer from Davidson, which is kind of cool. He went to Davidson and he went to Boston College. He's a pure left guard. That might be a problem being Cleveland's kind of Douglas Cleats in left guard position. But uh, great pass protector. Maybe a better pass protector than Kenyon Green in the long run. Not quite as athletic or better with the run game is Kenyon. But plug and play, week one starter. You could use him too there. Sawyer from Georgia. What do you say about Georgia offensive linemen? I mean, if you're going to play for Georgia, you're not a hack. Everybody on Georgia is so good. Multi-year starter at Georgia. He could already be playing in the NFL. Very strong guy, powerful blocker. Another explosive guy. Day one starter, I think. Cole Strange, as we skip down to number four, is a really interesting and intriguing guy. Look at this guy's highlights. And the highlights you're going to see, Ted, are from the Reese's Senior Bowl when he's playing center. I don't think I've seen a guy that's more angry at people than Cole Strange. Look at him on this highlight. He yells at people, and he gets very angry. You kind of like that. You like that ball of fire wrapped up in a player. 44 starts at the small school of Chattanooga. Don't let that fool you. 41 starts out of the 44 were at left guard, so he is dialed into the left guard position. May not be ready to start right away, but Cole Strange moved up on my board. Regardless of what school he played for, he's just a really, really good football player. Is Cole Strange's mean streak, is it a controlled rage, or is it something that could be like a Richie Incognito thing in a couple of years. First off, Cole Strange. Doesn't that sound like a heavy metal guitarist? It does, yeah. You got to hire him to Cole Strange. <laughs> <laughs> you got to get Cole Strange doing a solo. I watched a lot of his tape, and a little bit comes after the whistle. Ed Ingram, LSU, can play guard or tackle. Very scheme-versatile player. Dylan Parham plays guard only. Played for Memphis. Solid tape. Cade Mays, who I seen also Tyler... Uh, drafted today in his mock draft. Big uh, guard out of Tennessee. The good thing about Cade Mays from Tennessee, he's the only guy in my top 15 that's played all five offensive line positions. Guard, tackle, center. I I think that versatility is going to ensure he gets drafted by somebody. He is a mountain of a dude. To tell you how good Georgia is, Cade Mays went to Georgia and had to transfer out. He wasn't going to play. Wow. That's how good Georgia is. But my Vikings watch. This is a guy I've been anxious to talk about for three weeks. The Vikings got to draft this guy, Ted. Tyler Smith from Tulsa. All of his tape is in tackle position, but he's not a tackle. Okay. He had 16 holding penalties in college, Ted. He kept getting holding calls because he kept getting beat around the edge. But when you watch this guy, this guy is angry, dude. This guy is going to be a Pro Bowl guard at the next level, this Tulsa guy. Wow. Amazing to watch. I loved watching his tape. I watched it two or three times. He doesn't have much for hand placement, and his feet were a little slow. That's why he gave up holding penalties, and that's why he's going to move to the inside. I think he's going to move to the inside. I think if you draft him making a tackle, it's going to ruin him. 
I love Tyler Smith. I like how he moves. And I think some guys, when you watch him play, you just think to yourself, if that guy's a guard, he's going to power over people. He's going to be a tremendous guard. Tenacious energy was what I got written on my notes after watching him. Pancaking people every snap. He had one snap where he got his helmet torn off. The next snap, he ran the guy into the ground 10 seconds after the whistle. Got a flag. I had no problem with it because he was pissed. <laughs> he was pissed because the guy tore his helmet off. We got it in the footage here. He's going to play hard every single down, and you can get him late. I don't think there's that much of a want for him. You could probably get him in the fifth round. But Tyler Smith is, damn, the Vikings got to grab that guy, Ted. If the Vikings somehow figure out a way to get a fourth-round pick or he lasts the fifth, we'll be looking for Tyler Smith out of Tulsa. All the rest of the people in my top 15, they're not going to play right away. They're going to come in. You're going to have to work with them practice squad guys or maybe a roster guy to back up on the bench or something but your boy Thayer Munford he got a blessing in disguise by getting moved inside he was a tackle and then he got moved inside I think he's a better guard than a tackle your boy from Ohio State yeah I think he played better as a guard I think he's still learning the position still a little bit inconsistent was able to win more of his battles than not because he was just a physically bigger dude and played against guys opposite him that weren't as big or as accomplished or as athletic as him now you can correct me if i'm wrong i think he moved inside because freer moved outside i can't really remember exactly how that worked but i i think you're right yeah if they are munford's there in the fifth i'd take a shot on him he's a okay. good player all these guys have a lot of potential Ted. they're just not ready to go day one but it's a good guard class twice as good a guard class as we had talent wise last year it is all right so before we get to our commercial our trivia last week we interviewed a guy by the name of Corey hollick Yes. He's an interior lineman from Nebraska Colonel. We've mentioned him a couple times. If you haven't seen the interview, Tunes was kind enough to cut the interview out and put it on its own on YouTube. So go check it on our YouTube page. He's played guard, but he prefers center. Drew Bunning. Yeah. Where do you see Corey Hollett going in this year's draft? Going to go to the Minnesota Vikings. You see, as I put him down there, my number 15 guy, Chris Paul, you're out. (laughs) Corey Hollett, you're in. I'm going to tell you right now, I looked at 31 draft tapes from 31 players that was my breakdown okay Kenyon green is the only person better than Corey hollick on the tape are you kidding me really no Corey hollick's gonna make the nfl and he's gonna come out there opening night have his hat on he's gonna hug goodell and he's gonna open up with the big vikings report t-shirt it's a pimp, dad, <laughs> pimp daddy on it hold, hold on we got vikings report t-shirts i want one yeah we- <laughs> you have to buy one though Oh, fair. Oh, yeah, sure. Okay. Corey Hollick, get ready. Get ready to go to the NFL. Get ready to remember your friends here at Vikings Report because you are one talented individual. Thank you for being on our show last week. All right. So that'll do it for Garden Center segment. We'll take a quick break and come back for trivia. Head on. Apply directly to the forehead. Head on. Apply directly to the forehead. Head on. Apply directly to the forehead. Head on. Available at Walgreens. Listen to Remco's Baby Laugh A Lot. You're listening to Baby Laugh a lot. <laughs> she's the funniest doll you've ever seen. <laughs> Just push the button and she starts to giggle. <laughs> Get Baby Laugh a lot by Remco. <laughs> Ha, <laughs> 
Welcome to Twins' Trivia. How are you guys doing? Good, Twins. How are you? I'm good. How are you, Drew? Kick, punch. You all remember. Chop, chop here and it lasts forever. Alrighty then. I'm doing what? good. <laughs> That's a video game our kids used to play when they were little. <laughs> chop, chop here and it lasts forever. Who's coming at you? Uh, together. Fire, fire. Kick with the fire. <laughs> well, all right. I'll take your word for it. All right. What are we doing tonight? What do we got? All the wrong moves? All right, today's categories, all the wrong moves, guards, and <laughs> centers. I was in a mood today, so this is going to be a weird trivia. All right, let's start with all the wrong moves. This is some of the Vikings' bonehead draft picks. All right, here we go for 100. Instead of drafting Warren Sapp, Minnesota selected this defensive end in the 95 draft. Oh, who was that, Ted? It was, was it, wasn't it Derek Alexander? I think it was. Oh, yes, it was. Thunder and lightning coming through with the first one. Man, look at it, these. It's amazing at the people that they could have drafted. All right, 200. This 99 draft pick walked off the field the first day of training camp and never returned. Demetrius Underwood, defensive end, Michigan State University. That is correct. Yes. Wow. Where'd Derek Alexander go, smartass? I do not know. Clemson. Or Florida State. Ah. All right, for 300, this 2010 second round cornerback draft pick never even recorded an interception with the Vikings. Chris Cook! Chris Cook! <laughs> yes! All right, you guys are doing good. Here's for the sweep. That guy's such a waste of skin. After the unexpected retirement of Robert Smith, running back suddenly became a need for the Vikings as they prepared for the 2001 draft. And then they selected this running back. Michael Bennett, Wisconsin. Jesus. Yes! That's with the fire. Don't retire that kick. <laughs> Michael Bennett would either run into the back of Matt Burke's butt or go for 80 yards. There was no, no in between. Has there been somebody on IR more than Michael Bennett? I mean, Christ's sake, that guy's hurt all the time. Yeah. Hell of a player at Wisconsin, though. Yeah, he was. All right, so, Ted, you pretty much swept that category all by yourself, huh? Good job. Blind squirrel finds nut. Film at 11. You know, when you're a recruit from Boyhalo College in Wisconsin, Beloit, right Sorry. outside of Milwaukee. Beloit College in Wisconsin, you're blessed with knowledge. <laughs> All right, on to our next category, guards. This is not what you think. This is not about NFL guards. This is just guards. You're going to look at a picture and tell me what it is. What kind of guard is it? Okay, okay. What kind of guards are those? Security guards. <laughs> <laughs> that is correct. <laughs> What kind of guards are these? Or is this? That's a furry hat guy in England. Buckingham, Buckingham Palace guards. Royal guard. That is unacceptable. Yes, there you go. Those are the guys you run up to and go. Yep. Buckingham Palace guard would have been acceptable also. I made one of those one of those dudes laugh once. I really did. You did? Yep. All right, here we go. What kind of guard is this? <laughs> Jesus. Man. Oh, that's a Star Wars. Um, oh, that's uh, one of the Emperor's guards from Star Wars. Sith. Isn't that something to do? Sith? Do you know what kind of guard? Um, royal guard? Red guard. <laughs> Those are imperial, imperial guards. Guard. Oh, wow. I should get that because I was close. I'm not a full nerd. I'm just a quasi nerd. <laughs> All right. Here we go. What kind of guard? Oh. <laughs> Crossing guard. guard. <laughs> we had that one. Darn it. <laughs> that was a funny picture, too. <laughs> I'm off today. Let me tell you. Okay. Centers. This is another, seriously, I was in a weird mood today. I don't even remember what I did. Here we go. 
for a hundred. What is this? Penny, uh, Ab Aber Abraham, gravity, enter of gravity. Yes, good job. <laughs> <laughs> so the word center has to be in the answer. Um, possibly. I don't even remember what I did with these other <laughs> If we ever cut trivia out, I'm gonna, I'm gonna vacate. I'm gonna quit. All right, for two hundred. What is that? Center of the Earth. <laughs> <laughs> yes. I'd never come up with that, Ted. <laughs> That's a toughie. What is that? Rockefeller Center. <laughs> yes. <laughs> oh wait, this one's actually NFL related. Who is this? Larry, Larry Centers. Centers. <laughs> Pull back. Good job. Back. Larry Centers, the great Larry Centers. All right, I knew we were going to have a long show today, so I just kind of made it short and sweet. But thank you for playing. We'll see you next week. Thanks, Jesus. Okay. Awesome trivia segment. I think, Drewster, we, we didn't miss a question, did we? No. You didn't miss a question. I just sat there and watched. I'm going to give you the Imperial Guard, so that was a full-on sweep all the way across the board. That had nothing yes. to do with me, Ted Glover. That was all you, that trivia. You got them all, bro. Well, a center of the earth one kind of tripped me up <laughs> for a minute. I don't know how you came up with it. <laughs> Shock to me. All right, so that's our show for tonight. Thank you, Brad Cecil, for joining us. Uh, best Brad. of luck to you this year at USF. Dude, could you believe we're at 7,900 subscriptions right now on YouTube on our channel? Really? Really? Thank yeah. you. Thank you. Like and subscribe. Like and subscribe. There it is at the bottom of the screen right there. Like and subscribe. Please like and subscribe. Like Drew said, it, it, we really I can't tell you how thankful we are. Again, we've got our live show coming up the 28th and 29th of April, the first two nights of the draft. Yeah, we got Christopher Gates joining us and hopefully Corey Hollick and a couple other people will try and get on. We've got a couple more interviews coming up down the road before we finish up our draft segment. We're really looking forward to them and hopefully we can keep doing that in the future once even the draft is over. Drewster, thank you for being an awesome co-host, and you make me laugh, and I, I learn a lot, so much when you do your, your positional breakdowns. Thank you. Tootsis, thanks so much for doing the production and the editing, and, and Drew and the editing and everything you guys do. Uh, we'll try to do better the next time. Drewster, take us home. Great job with Trevor tonight, Ted, and hosting. You throw Roy Firestone into the fire. You do a great job in these interviews. I like to sit there and watching them, and the people that have been coming on have been really, really helpful and very informative. And we hope you viewers like we're trying to give you a different angle of, you know, some of these draft prospects or college players and let them kind of tell their story a little bit. But uh, another great episode, a great time. Thank you for liking. Thank you for subscribing. And remember, in a month when the draft gets here, we are going to be here for the first two days going live. That does it for the offense. We've done 105 players, seven positions. We're done. With the draft boards for offense, we're moving to the defense next week. Defensive tackles, the big hogs up front. So be ready as we take on the defensive side of it. Thank you, Tunes. Thank you, Ted. Say goodnight, Ted. Goodnight, Ted.